Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Huddersfield, look ahead to Burnley, what we've been up to during the international break and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is like a Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. One support, Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett, hit it Higgy, Higgy hits the track! Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We have the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast. And Borough had a bitter defeat at the John Smiths and uh, a 4-2 defeat against Huddersfield. Neil Warnock has now won 11 games in th- 11, yeah, 11 games in th- out of 13 as a manager against Middlesbrough. That is just fun, isn't it? Uh, we've been one-offed once again. Uh, Dana Malt, how are you feeling about Borough being one-offed in three words? What the hell? <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the best way to, to start this podcast. It was just so out of character for Borough to capitulate the way that they did in that second half. And I've probably woken up a lot more negatively than I went to bed up you know I felt quite positive still yesterday appreciating our position appreciating that we're still in the playoffs of course and that we we are still in a in a healthy way in the championship but yeah I've just woke up really disappointed because we never had second place in our possession so you can't say that we've thrown it away but we have shut the door on ourselves completely against the side that are in the bottom three and that have been struggling all season. And I think Huddersfield fans can appreciate that they have been poor. This isn't 10 games in and that, you know, Huddersfield are just starting to get up to speed. They've never got up to speed this season. And we basically, we capitulated and broke our quest for second place in the spell of 15 minutes against the side of the mop three that's what's really disappointing just a really really strange bizarre game that pretty much summed up the championship and yeah if only we could turn back time and start that again um i think we'd all love to do that he had a lot of song catchphrases in there and then he even introduced um carrick to like tom did last yeah, week I did, um, I and did. you called him out for it so i'm gonna call you off for it as well uh tom dana <laughs> says what the hell um what are you gonna go with I had a lot of very similar uh, three-word phrases for this, but I'm just going to say where we got FM'd because it's exactly the type of thing that would happen in, in footy manager. Um, you know, you're doing so well 
beat Preston 4-0 at home, go on an international break and then lose 4-2 to Huddersfield, you'd be just be thinking, no, the game's having me on here, it's scripted, I'm just going to restart it or something like that. But, I mean, especially after that first goal as well, just every bounce on the way to that first goal went to them and you just, you'd be looking at that thinking, nah, scripted, turn it off. But, um, yeah, it's it was just weird to watch yesterday. I think a 4-1, as soon as that fourth goal went and I'm just like, what am I watching here? Because this isn't us. And literally, I, I can't remember a goal of theirs with, like, I mean, there might have been, I've just tried to block it out of my memory probably, but they all just seem really scrappy and not like us to concede at all. Mm. Yeah, it was a strange game, wasn't it? I think that's the reason why I want to go over the words of moments of madness. Um, it was just 15, 20 minutes of just carnage. And it's not the first time we've kind of seen this really either. Um, Burnley, we we kind of capitulated in like 15 minutes. You know, with two it was like two goals in five minutes against West Brom. Uh, now this and I think Sunderland was a bit strange because we had some moments where we had like a red card and conceded and threw games away so very strange because we're a team that has a lot of control and very good control but you know I would suspect uh, a couple of mad off it moments really isn't it Um, but that is football and I can't believe he's done us over it again Um, I am sick of Neil Warnock uh, (laughs) managing (laughs) against us and beating us Um, and he will probably love that Um, but anyway let's let's chat about the game then where Borough tasted defeat at the John Smiths Um, and we made a couple of changes to the side that beat Preston with McNair and Force coming in from McGree and Fry Um, I want to chat about this first because there was a lot of clamour before the game around the changes that we made. But, Tom, do you think Carrick was right to make the changes he did yesterday? In the case of McGree, I'd say definitely. Um, you know, he's been on international break in Australia. He was ill for, for a lot of that, played one game. And then I believe it was only Wednesday night uh, he'd, he'd got back from from Australia, which... You know, m- like massively long flight. Um, I've been to New Zealand and all the jet lag firsthand there, so I can't imagine what uh, <laughs> you know two two in the space of like a week and a half for for McGree's done. But it's probably the type of situation where we can't just go straight into a team on Saturday. Probably leaving him on the bench and going with Force and Ramsey. The right call. When I saw that on the on the uh, team sheet for for the starting eleven, didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought you know Force is still a good option on, on the right and has been playing you know a lot of games for us got a goal yesterday he's done well Ramsey on on the left yeah it, it's uh it, it seems like a, a good decision uh fry out from McGree uh, uh McNair sorry he didn't particularly want to see um and I, I feel like that has had an effect on some of the the goals we conceded yesterday and and the way that Huddersfield were trying trying to play they were very physical, and I thought Lenahan, for the most part, held up against that. But it would have been nice to have that that sort of strength against a, a physical team across the the back line fully. And I don't think McNair brings to the table the same thing the Fry does play in that position. Yeah, speaking of of the, of the Fry and McNair, like debate, really. Obviously, McNair's getting a lot of clamour at the moment, Dana. Uh, but why? Why do you think he is getting that like that Tav treatment at the minute? Uh, it's a bit strange, isn't it? But I mean, why do you think we're we're starting to see that? And also, um, who would you like to see fill in at centre half? Yes, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I don't know. It's interesting with with McNair, isn't it? Because it really doesn't feel like that long ago that he was lauded as one of Borough's best. And I think it shows how much football can change. For me, I think with with Tav, I think he was misunderstood. With McNair, he's just not playing in, in his best position. I've said on this podcast for many, many years that Paddy McNair is best in a back three and not so good in a back four. Because I think... Under Warnock in that 2021 season, towards the back end, I did identify a few weaknesses in his game and it's specifically defensively one-on-one and from balls over the top. He looks very uncomfortable from balls over the top. I think we saw that yesterday against Huddersfield where they were punted balls towards Danny Ward to basically call Paddy McNair into action. And there were a few times where he undersold a headed clearance and it, I think he tried to get it to either Stefan or Smith. It went out wide and thankfully it was in a position that Borough were able to defend comfortably. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's as good or as strong in a back four as he is in a back three. But it is interesting with McNair because the reaction to him yesterday, you it would have you believe if you were an alien and you'd just been plonked on earth that Paddy McNair has been shocking whenever he's stood in for Delphi this season. That's just not the case. You know, for a while before yesterday, whenever Paddy McNair was in the team, he was he was he was okay. He was good. He was decent. He didn't really put too much of a foot wrong. He was poor yesterday and I will say that I can't stress that enough. But I just don't think going back to the main question that he's as good in a back uh, four as he is in a back three. Um and to answer your other question, I would love to see Dale Fry start the majority of games because I think he's our best defender. But football, isn't it? You know, opinions can change. All of a sudden, Paddy McNair has gone from one of our best players to get him out of the team, get him out of the squad. He's disgusting, disgraceful. He stinks, this, that and the other. It's ridiculous. But, you know, I, I've never been a, a huge, huge fan of McNair, even when others were. But even even I am thinking, okay, this is a bit, you know, the, the criticism, I think, is blown out of proportion just a bit, I think. Just want to add on to that as well, like, because, um, um, you know, we've been switching between Fry and McNair in, in some games. Personally, I'm not a fan of switching a winning team, um, but I, I do feel like we've gone tactically with that decision a few times and where, you know, we might require a more mobile centre-half McNair's played and we required a stronger one Fry's played. Maybe I think that was just the the wrong call yesterday and we should have went with a stronger centre-half rather than a, a, a mobile one. Because as Dan has just said there, McNair has filled in at centre-back and done well. Uh, I think especially since since Fry got sent sent off against, uh, against Sunderland and, and McNair's taken his chance. Um, I, I would agree that he's not playing in his best position as part of a part of a back four, but I, I just feel like it was maybe a tactical decision yesterday, and it was just the wrong one. I just want to say as well that um, you know I said this on tease after the game. The reason why we lost that game yesterday was not down to Paddy McNair. He was part of the reason, but he wasn't the reason. You know, this was a, a, a sort of collective issue yesterday there were so many mistakes you look at the first goal you look at the second goal the first two goals in particular it was ridiculous the way that Huddersfield was skipping past 
our players as if they weren't even there. The first one, Josh Ruffles just hooks a ball straight over Hausen's shoulder, then evades the sort of half challenge of three players. It was um, Hackney, Lenahan and McNair himself. Then the second one, it's Johnny House who just skips over him. I think it's Danny Ward that, that carries the ball and then Josh Karoma uses Tommy Smith as a bit of a dummy and then curls it beyond him and, and Stefan. It was just collectively, Borough were not good enough. And I think to hone in on McNair specifically, I think is just unfair. So, well, yeah. So with, with McNair, then I appreciate like he appreciates getting a lot of the clamour and I can understand the frustrations of it. I can also see why Carrick would maybe play more of a fry. Like, I think Dale Fry, and it's, it's weird as it sounds, I know when Dale Fry came through, everyone thought he was a really good ball player in centre-half at times. <laughs> but this is just not the case. He's definitely not a good, a good ball player in centre-half. I think if Borough are looking to have more possession and trying to play out from the back more, McNair kind of makes sense because Lenahan can't do it as well as probably what McNair can. And McNair's got all the attributes mm, of a midfielder. But it makes sense if we're going to try and play that three at the back at times, you know, when we push forward with with uh, with Giles, we'll come into like a three and then we'll, or if we want to switch the play and try and come back out again. McNair makes a lot of sense. But I think against teams that are a bit more direct, then Fry would probably be more of the option because he kind of nullify what they want to bring. But I can't really complain too much because, you know, it has a pro and a con, right? You know, Stefan is a prime example. Stefan does a lot for us, you know, like the way we play. But then he also has like a negative side to his game. Ryan Giles, amazing going forward. Is he the best defender in the world? Possibly not. But what he brings to the table is a lot better than what his negative is. Like Johnny Houston, like is Houston the best passer of the ball? Probably not. But does he bring everything to else to the game? Yes. Like in terms of like like defensive actions, all that kind of stuff. So. There's pros and cons to everything and everyone like in a, in a player. Like even if you're going to go talk about Trent as well at Liverpool, like Trent, unreal player. Like you know, like really good crosser, suspect defending. Like it's so like there's this pros and cons, right? Isn't there? So either or, who do you want to see? Who gives us uh, more balance? Who gives us more? Um, you know, say who's make us makes us more safe. Um, probably Fry would make us more safe. But what do we take away? McInnes not like in the team. Are we confident of playing the ball out and coming out with the ball? I don't know. That, so that's a good point. That is a good point, though. And I and I, and I, I sort of noted it yesterday that because Huddersfield were so deep, and you know they had every right to be deep. <laughs> they had every right to set up in a defensive formation where Brady was talking about the defensive wing backs and the back five. I think maybe Carrick identified that, that was going to be the case, that Borough would have control as we did in, in the first half. And you saw quite a lot of times, this ended up being Borough's weakness in a game yesterday. Lenahan driving forward, it, we got caught so many times with that long ball over the top where he was constantly chasing back. Maybe Carrick identified that the, the way that game was going to pan out, it needed a ball playing defender to potentially carry the ball and offer another option. As you said there, Johnny, Dale Fry's not a ball carrier. And also Paddy McNair has a decent pass on him. Maybe Paddy McNair was in that team yesterday just to offer a different option to open up what Carrick probably thought was going to be a really stubborn defence as it was in that first half. So maybe that's why he was tasked with starting ahead of Fry as well. Yeah, and you could see, like, if you brought, if you're gonna have a lot of possession, you can allow McNair to kind of be in the midfield rather than Lenahan, and just mm. keep your, you know, have a one v one with with Lenahan, and also keep Smith back if you want to. 
and then just all the power in the midfield. So then it allows like Akpom to get a bit further forward, allows like Housen to get moved like a bit further, like or Hackney or whatever. And that might tweak the game ever so much. And it worked for the first half, really, when the second half we combusted um, and things just didn't really work out the way it should have been. Uh, but how would you assess things, Dana? Because the first half was great and the second half was madness. Well, you know what? I don't think the second half was particularly great, but we had control, which was the main thing. And I honestly thought the way that the game was ticking over, that it was going to be one of those where Huddersfield would remain quite tight, quite compact. They would limit the space, limit the opportunities, and that Borough would eventually break through in the second half. So when we got that first goal, I was like, brilliant. Really opens it up. You you kind of then take in more of Borough's dominance to Huddersfield and I thought they were going to be the ones to capitulate I was sat there talking to my dad at half time wondering how many we're going to put past these because think about it Huddersfield really poor form really poor team this season Huddersfield fans will tell you that themselves and complete contrast to Middlesbrough who you know ourselves we've been fantastic under Michael Carrick and we're very good goal scorers so that's what I was thinking and then I honestly do not know what happened. We were the ones that capitulated, but I just don't, I can't, I still can't wrap my head around what what we were witnessing in that second half. It was, it was just so strange. And I will say that if you look at Borough under Michael Carrick in a wider lens, we have been good and very good more times than we've even been average. But I have to call it what it was. That was embarrassing yesterday. It was to be four-one down to Huddersfield, who have never scored four this season until yesterday. Had only scored three goals in a game twice this season, and it could have been five. Jack Rodoni had a chance where I honestly thought he was going in. I think it just shaved the outside of the post. We could have conceded five yesterday against Huddersfield. That's. That was embarrassing. It was uncomfortable to watch at times, I have to say that, but I don't know. Was it was it the sort of mentality in the second half? I feel like Carrick insinuated it after the game that maybe they, they were a little bit panicked and that it took them until after the goals had gone in to fully realise what had happened. It felt like Huddersfield kind of had us by a, you know, a chokehold. I, st- I just can't... Like, analysis is going to be very limited today because I'm confused I'm still just really really confused it was out of character it was just not like Middlesbrough it was just really baffling bewildering um that's you know a few buzzwords I think to describe that game yesterday on the flip side Tom in that first half do you think we could have probably probably could have and should have put the game bed because we had a lot of chances right a lot of half chances yeah, I was going to say I don't remember a lot of good quality chances. I think we had a good uh, a few shots on target, but they were like from outside the box. And I would say as well, I agree with Dana that I don't think it was particularly good performance anyway in the first half. Um, what I'd noticed in the first half was that the sharpness that we had against Preston and and in earlier games seems to have just gone away a little bit over the international break, which I think is the effect that we were all hoping wouldn't happen. But there were were passes which were like a yard behind uh, the intended targets or, you know, too far in front at, at, at times. It just, 
it wasn't the same borough that we we saw against Preston, and it was it was sickening for me yesterday because I've just watched uh, my rugby league team, uh, uh, you know, half twelve kickoff do exactly the same thing. Actually, not not exactly the same thing. Worse, uh, <laughs> playing at the ball, throwing the ten yards behind the intended target. But um, it, it it was you know not a good day for for sports for me yesterday, and then for Saturn's one this morning. So hating everything at the moment. But um, yeah. We had a few kind of half chances in in the first half, but I don't think we were good enough to say we should have put it to, to bed in that half. Um, you know, Force got the goal in the forty third minute, and I had the same conversation with my uncle that Dana's just said she had with her dad at half time. We were like, right, we're one up now. Huddersfield are going to have to open up a little bit, not sit as defensively. We'll get a few more here, and then you know, twenty seconds into the second half, <clears throat> they just get. You know, every bounce going to their, their player on the way to to a goal, and then just couldn't tell you what happened after that. Just I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you what happened in the second half. To be honest, Tom. <laughs> uh, but who if, knows? Who knows? If, if anyone, if anyone knows, do you think? Do you think, do you think it was like a maybe a thing that Warnock changed at halftime? I don't know. Appreciate you will say that he, mm. you know, he turned water into wine. You know. <laughs> You know, he brought Jesus back and all this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's a, he just does these stupid things. Like, I just don't get it. I just don't get how we kind of let, we gave the gave the game away. But do you think it was just mainly down to Borough's mistakes, really? I think it, it definitely felt that way anyway. Yeah, I think it was. And like I said, we had this game plan of possession dominance, which is what we've seen under Michael Carrick. But the risk of it is that we are susceptible to a counter-attack, a ball over the top, such as our quite high line at times. And we just got caught out. You know, look at the first two goals and and look at us desperately trying to get back into a defensive position that is of comfort to us. It was just, as you've said, Johnny, and Carrick said it himself, moments, moments decided that game. You know, I don't think anyone can say that Huddersfield were great or good but they took their chances and Bora didn't and Bora gifted them those chances. And I don't think it was anything really that Warnock did because he, you know, we, we conceded within 20 minutes, 20 seconds, sorry, of the restart, which that probably knocked our confidence a bit, but I still believed, I still believe that we could get back into the game because of how good we've been in terms of goal scoring. And then even when the second one, one went in and we're you know we're losing two one I still thought we could do it it was that third one that killed it for me you know before the fourth one even went in the third one was where we're massively scaling it back to like climbing a mountain sort of territory Warnock will say that he did something of course he will um he said that it's one of the best results of his career of course he'd say that as well but I don't think, I think it was literally just Borough. You know, it, it was very sideshow Bob and a rake kind of situation there where we just kept standing on the rake and hitting ourselves in the face. And that was just kind of what it was in the second half. It was just complete madness. It was really weird to watch. Yeah, looking back at the game as well and appreciate naturally a team who's getting beat at half time is going to have 10 minutes in the first and probably 10 minutes in, in like the last 10. Well, they'll just go for it. Because they want to cause a reaction, want to change the game state, and you know they'll want to have um, a big say in how the results going to be probably in the end. But I was looking at the underlying numbers yesterday, and it just shows kind of 
Middlesbrough at their own downfall for a lot of the things. Um, when we had you know, 74% possession, a lot of it, our expected goals were way better than them. If you want to look at those thing, metrics, you know, they were expected to score 1.81. We had 2.65. We had big chances. We had good moments. You know, we had a lot of big chances created. Same big chance uh, created in terms of three and three. Um, they had 82 passes in the entire, entire game and accurate. And we had 399. So all fun and games, you know, it shows control um, and it shows that we ju- were just very, very sloppy in key moments. And I feel like the stuff of what we've seen like over the last few weeks, probably when Carrick's been in charge, that we've gave away like quite big moments. Um, and Danny, I think you alluded to it on, on a previous podcast um, when you say we were giving big chances away and it's kind of shown in mm. the underlying numbers. But probably in like the last few game weeks, you know, we had a big spike in expected goals against what our expected goals for. I mean, like not with goals and chances we're creating, it's always high. It's always improving. It's really high at the minute, and we're continuously creating chances and taking them. And it's amazing to have that. But defensively, this could be something, right? Where like we weren't likely to concede many goals against Huddersfield, and probably in the first half we weren't. I think they had like an xG of like not point one nine or something. And, uh, you know, didn't create much, but then, you know, we conceded a few, but has this been coming? Because like, we've got, we've been given away big chances. We haven't been like, uh, we haven't given it away too much. Um, you know, we've scored more than the opposition. We've looked really comfortable, but there's always been that one or two key moment that we give away. Um, and this could just be a game where like data has just went, you know what? I'm going to go against the complete norm. I'm going to F, I'm going to football manage here and they're going to have one or two chances and score five, uh, and score four or five. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those weird games, but has this been coming? I don't really know. Um, and maybe we've just been punished on one game and then things might go back to normal, but the underlying numbers would probably show that Middlesbrough are really good going forward, but they are, you know, suspect defensively at times. And that's something that we might have to, pick up in the future i think brighton was a prime example we got beat 5-1 where we showed like our defensive you know struggles at times but mm-hmm. we'll 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 see i think in the, the the stats yesterday are probably misleading for a lot of fans if it's fm all over um and just we got to move on from it i think and I well, our, our defense from... our defense hasn't ever been the best part of this team but it's never no. been that bad against championship opposition you mentioned Brighton there but they're a Premier League team with an abundance of quality you know amazing the, yeah yeah the Premier League game week after they defeated us in the cup they beat Liverpool and I appreciate Liverpool are having a bit of a struggling season but that doesn't mean that they're a rubbish team they're still a very very good side um Maybe it has been coming. Maybe it has, but against Huddersfield, like if if this happened against Burnley on Friday, you could put your hands up and say, "Fine, fair enough." If that's where our quest for second place ends, then it ends there. But Huddersfield, <laughs> and I don't, and I and I like Huddersfield. I do. I love the John Smith Stadium. I love going there. They're a fine team. I hate loads of teams and loads of fan bases in this division, by the way. But Huddersfield, are, you know, I, I I don't mind them but they've been really poor this season. So for Borough to concede four, nearly five against them, maybe it was coming, but it just stings that it's against Huddersfield mm. and against Neil Warnock as well. Yeah, like, look, these games happen. They happen to every team, every season, uh, where you just have a game where you, you just fall off a cliff and it's probably just worth nothing in the end. But is it, Tom, is it, is it a defeat really that's worth threatening th- th- over? You know, Akpom scored 25 now. Fast double figures. 
it's all it, it's not the end of the world, right? Now, I'm feeling more like that this morning. I've had to rip up the Caracal banner that I already had made after <laughs> after the match yesterday. But <laughs> no, it's it's just a bit of a difficult one. It's one to take. Yesterday, it was it was a horrible game to watch. It's obviously had implications on on the league table, and you know it, it's it's a bit. It's it's just a bit annoying that you know we're falling so far behind in in the race for a second because of because of that result. We've seen from this team before that we've got that bounce back ability. Um, it just it's going to be the toughest test of that on uh, on Friday against Burnley. If, you know, hopefully we can we can put that right and you know f- few results kind of go go our way then and on monday and then you know we're potentially having a completely different opinion on on the next podcast but yeah it's it's just head sport at the moment to be honest johnny just just don't look at any sport then tom that's that's Matt's more one suggestion maybe going to baking or something i feel like you could be a really good baker you know could do great I'm british definitely baking not. no okay fair enough then don't do that then uh well <laughs> We'll move on, shall we? We'll move on to the praise and place uh, because the praise and place is the pr- place where to give praise to Tuber Akpom, Marcus Foss, Tom's Victoria Sponge Cake, and Dana Malt's Tuber Akpom shirt, which is from teesside.co.uk. Uh, and it's a great shirt. I'm a big, big fan of this. So well done to Tom uh, for his wonderful work. And also, I want to give uh, a shout out to the Motor Neuron Disease Association as well because they're our fundraiser for this season. We are trying to raise funds uh, for a really cool charity and you can do that uh, by scanning this on youtube if you want to uh, if not you can the link is in our description below on the pod and on your podcast provider so you can donate there um but dan Malt, who gets your place in the praise and place this week i'm gonna put aaron ramsey in there because i thought he was really really bright yesterday and he just keeps delivering good performances and to be honest in January when we brought in Barlasser and Ramsey and Archer I wasn't really so excited about Ramsey because I didn't really think that he was going to start many games because of his injury but you know he's he's delivered and although he didn't have a goal contribution yesterday I thought his link-up play with Cameron Archer in that first half um, and the appreciation of his teammates I think is really good for such a young player he's very intelligent and it's just a shame that I think in the second half he did fade. I do also want to mention at Pom because don't let it get lost in the madness of yesterday's game. He still scored. Um, I think he equaled John Hickton's season in, I can't remember when, somebody will let me know. Happened some time ago. It happened. Some, we don't know when, but it did. The thing is, is I had this in my notes before the international break on the other side of the international break. I don't know. But um, yeah, 25 goals in the league is absolutely fantastic. And even though we've lost, to have a goal scorer in our team, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that is still scoring despite Borough losing yesterday, I think that's really, really important, especially against uh, you know your promotion rivals. And Marcus Voss as well, getting double figures. That's you know fantastic. We've got one striker that's hit 20, another striker that's got double figures. What's going on? Is this Middlesbrough that we're watching? I mean, it wasn't yesterday, to be fair. <laughs> that was the Middlesbrough of old, um, to be honest. Uh, you know, a game Temple you're expected Bora. to... Yeah, expected a, a win, <laughs> lose a game you're expected to potentially win. Um, Tom, who gets your place in the present place this week? 
It was a difficult decision to to pick someone, to be honest, because I, like I said, hate sport at the moment. Didn't want to give it to anyone after that performance yesterday. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go with with Akpom. I think you know to to get a get a goal yesterday he was still putting in 100% effort. You, you could see him trying to g the fans up as as soon as he did score. And he's hit another milestone in in twenty five goals. Um, you know we've we've been wanting for for ages a, a striker who was going to hit twenty goals, and it was such a a moment, momentous occasion when he hit that. Uh, it was against Redden. Um, yeah, because he got twenty one mm. against Redden, didn't he? Um, and now to hit twenty five uh, as as a, another milestone just keeps going. Um, you know he's got five five more to go until. You know, we've we can officially say we've we've had a, a thirty goal a season striker playing for us, which you know I don't think any of us could have ever imagined in our lifetime. Um, you know, there's there's been plenty of plenty of records set in, in the in the past, but it, it didn't look like it was ever going to be likely to to happen. I, I think so. Yeah, well done from uh, getting that goal yesterday, and hopefully you can get another five. It was well, the so- night. 70-71 season that, that John Hickton hit 25, so that's what that Ponzi called. Great, yeah. Remember it well. Remember it well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say, no memory at all. Uh, but in terms of like truly, you know, the, I un- you unlocked two memories for me there, Tom. Um, one was the moment where a kid had the ball and he thought she was going to give him a high five when the ball went off for a goal kick. And he was like, give me the ball. And the kid was really looking for a, a high five and it just cracked me up. Um, <laughs> and then secondly, uh, the second one was a bit more boring one, but he's still on target to achieve 31 goals this season, the way he's going. So congratulations to Chuba. Um, first thing gets my place and <laughs> place. I don't know why that gets high five cracks me up so much. Um <laughs> but I would yeah, I would probably give it to Marcus Force as well. I feel like he's doing really well at the moment. Um he just he's just so good. Let's move on to questions then. Uh, because each week you get to send us your questions via Twitter, email at theboroughbreakdownhotmail.com or join our Telegram chat where you can join over 300 Borough fans chatting something about Borough, maybe not Borough at all, but we do chat about some things. Uh, and the first question is from LDGD and he says, uh, do you think the season has caught up with Hackney and in, is in need of a rest? Uh, he looks tired to me. Uh, Dana Bolt, do you want to take this first? I think potentially. I mean, I will say that, and, and Maddo mentioned it on Tease when, when we were talking on it <clears throat> before the international break after the pressing game, that I think Hackney's performances have maybe dipped below his usual standard. It was still like, you know, okay. He was still decent. But maybe there is a little bit of jadedness, if that's a word, in his um, in his performances. I mean, you've got somebody like Dan Barlasa that's practically breathing down his neck at this point I would assume trying to to get into this team so I think it's probably the right time to start rotating a a couple of players potentially um I would like to see Balas start actually so we'll see how what happens with that but yeah it's just he he didn't have a great game yesterday Hackney it was his ball retention looking after it um his tackles but he wasn't the only one he wasn't the only one that was guilty of that but out of all the team he's probably the easiest to take out of the firing line because he is such a young player that's obviously um enjoying his his debut season in the championship but um yeah he does 
maybe he does look tired. I don't know. I, I think he has looked poor the, the, the last game in particular. Okay, then uh, the next question is from Rob, uh, and it says, uh, with the top two race clearly over now, um, how do we keep the positivity and momentum going into the end of the season? Tom, what do you think? How do we do all that stuff? To be fair, I don't think it is over now. And as as much as it is all doom and gloom at the moment, and it's completely understandable after after yesterday, there's still seven games left to play, eight for Sheffield United. And, you know, we could go into Easter weekend, win both our games. Sheffield United could lose both of theirs. And then, you know, suddenly we're having a completely different conversation next week. So I, I wouldn't say it is completely over, but we, you know, we, we can't just give up and, uh, you know, down tills or anything like that. We're still in a great position in, in the playoffs. Um, we, you know, I don't think it's going to be the case of, you know, staying positive or or anything like that because, you know, Carrick's mantra that he says pretty much in every press conference is, oh, we just look ahead to the next game, take it game by game. We're not looking at the table or anything like that. And I, I think that that is still going to be the the attitude that that, that we take. I think we'll, we'll go into Burnley thinking it's it's you know a brand new game we're just aiming to to win it and we just kind of see where see where it goes not trying to sound like Carrick there but you know that that's I'm pretty sure that's the the attitude that that he will take for it and you know who knows strange things have happened in in football and it, it could you know still look different this time next week maybe yeah um it's crazy and I think when we go into like good Friday and Easter Monday as well like we could be we could be chatting about like automax again. Now. It's, I think it's so nuts that we'll, we keep going back and forth on on this one because you know like I don't know we we didn't expect to be there anyway, but now we're here. We are here. We want to be, we want to do it. So it was it's just a very strange moment uh, for us. But can we do it? I think, still think we can um, because it, as as Grant Levitt, a famous one said. That's football, and it might happen. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but the final question, it's not really a question. It's a nice little segue because um, another Rob said, have you blocked that Sheffield United fan you're on League 72 with this week? Um, <laughs> well, I haven't uh, blocked Ollie, and we were chatting yesterday um, and I gave him like the come down with me, um, you know, enjoy the automatics, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, what would we, what did we do over the international break? Uh, I was on the League 72 uh, to chat about the automatics and, you know, you can actually see um, the entire clip on the League 72 YouTube channel. It's called Sheffield United or Middlesbrough, the fans debate who goes up. So we thought we'll insert a little clip there of what we did um, and what we spoke about. And then, you know, you can see a little bit more in a bit. I don't think it really matters for so us. The pressure's on Sheffield United, do you think? The pressure's entirely on Sheffield United. You know, from where Millsborough were at the start, uh, about 17 games in to now, we didn't expect to be here. Like, no one expected us to be here. So, like, to be in this position we're in is, is credit to the group, credit to where we are. If we get the automatics, fantastic. Um, if if not, then it's playoffs, and that's where like your heart will start to like break because <laughs> we've never won at Wembley, and also you know how do teams react when they don't get that automatic spot as well? So well, Nottingham Forest reacted yeah. pretty well, didn't they? They did, but it's also Millsborough we're talking about. Don, we don't <laughs> do that. So um, I was trying to be nice to you. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's the, you know, me bantering with Don Goodman, what, you know all. All the fun. Um, they actually, he was really good, uh, Don and, and Prutz as well. They're really nice to speak to uh, and have a good chat with. And also a shout out to Sam as well. Sam, although, you know, he, 
I gave him a death stare at one point. Um, he is <laughs> a really, really good human being. Um, but you not know, only did we were on the League of 72 this week, Dana, you went to the Millsborough Supporters Forum uh, last week. Um, how did it go? Is there anything of note or anything to report? There is things of not. I don't know if I can say them, however. Um, but yeah, it was, that was so weird. I was having cheese souffle with Steve Gibson on a Wednesday evening. Um, the cheese souffle was very nice as well, I have to add. But yeah, it was just, it was very good. You know, it was, you know, thanks to Mark for inviting me, Mark Motley. Uh, it was really good to see everyone else uh, of Millsborough Supporters Forum. And um, it was just a really nice, open, transparent chat, really. It was serious at times it was jovial at times humorous um important and you know when <laughs> Carrick and Kieran Scott came in and once I kind of stomached that it was like well Steve Gibson's sitting about four seats down from me so it was just very very weird um but yeah it was it, it was really really good and um just a really calm confidence around obviously this was before the Huddersfield game so that was completely blown <laughs> out of the blown out of the room after that but um yeah, really, really nice. Um, Kieran Scott. <laughs> Kieran Scott noted the uh, the pink flamingo tie clip from this podcast. So it's uh, you know if he's look if he's watching. Hi, Kieran. Um, but yeah, really good, really good. <laughs> and I, and and I appreciate the the invite. Hi, Kieran. I'm on the YouTube. Uh, look at me. I'm so famous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, great tie though, wasn't it? You know, we it really was. rock that tie for the 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 award evening which you know we didn't win unfortunately but it was a good night nevertheless and it seems like you had a good time down the food looked fantastic and you know i got to meet michael carrick as well That's was, right. i probably as... malt cursed him i malt, met him didn't i malt... so i probably malt cursed him mm. as soon Sorry. as you shook his hand Dana, and got a photo of him the curse was was passed on to carrick so thank you for ruining his managerial career um <laughs> so thank you very much for that, and you never know if you get a malt curse t shirt, things might be a little bit better uh, for him in the future. Uh, so, if you want one, Michael, we'll send you on your way. Um, <laughs> imagine just him waking up, getting some toasters thrown on his malt curse t shirt. <laughs> It'd be funny. Anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, Good Friday now, where Bora welcome uh, League Leaders Burnley uh, at the Riverside under the lights. Um, so, we spoke to Tom from Non and Never podcast uh, to get some insight on the Clarets this season. Hi, Borough Breakdown Podcast. This is Tom from the Never Podcast. Looking forward to Friday's game. Uh, Middlesbrough v Burnley. It's obviously a, a big clash at the top of the table. I think with that defeat to Huddersfield, it's uh, it's got even more significance now for Middlesbrough. Uh, for ourselves, the season's gone unbelievably well uh, since we last played you. I don't think we've lost a game. Probably the only team uh, in the league whose form has been has been better than Middlesbrough, I would think. Uh, in that time, so it's going to be it's going to be a difficult game for both of us. I think um, we know that obviously with your result on Saturday, it means a win for us seals promotion. So there's quite a lot of incentive for us as well, and obviously for yourselves now lost a bit of ground on Sheffield United. Um, so I think with two teams that that need the win going out swinging, it's going to be a really entertaining game, and it's going to be difficult to to predict a winner. Players to look out for for us uh, at the minute: the informed player really is Nathan Teller. Um, he's banging goals in left, right, and centre. Uh, although we didn't really get into the game on Friday night, Sunderland um, they came for a point. They set up very deep, and uh, and we looked a, a little bit lethargic, a little bit sluggish. Probably the worst we've played for a, for a while, and the least goal threat we've had for a while certainly. So that probably should give you a little bit of confidence. I think the international break and just having a few players that have been out injured for a while, not quite up to speed yet, it might mean it's it's 
perhaps a good time to play us. So I would say, prediction-wise, uh, I think it's probably probably a draw, I imagine. I think we might end up cancelling each other out and a draw probably doesn't do either as the favours, doesn't get us the promotion that we want, although it will give us the chance to do it at home the following game. For yourselves, of course, like you want to, you want to be picking up as many points as possible. Now you've lost a bit of ground on Sheffield United, but uh, we play them the game after you. So if it is a draw, hopefully we can do you a favour in the next one and uh, and beat them. Should be a great game. Uh, should be a great day out. We're bringing a few fans. Uh, enjoy and best of luck for the season. It'd be uh, it'd be great to visit the Riverside again next year in the Premier League. So thank you very much uh, for that. Tom um, and let's chat about Burnley because they are the highest overperforming team in the league this season. If you look at the underlying numbers, they've got an expected goal difference of plus twenty one point four, and that's overperformed because of the goals scored. Um, they were expected to score fifty four goals this season so far, uh, this, but they've scored seventy four instead, so overperforming by twenty. Um, and that was kind of shown against us, really, when they scored three just absolute random goals. Um, but yeah, they are overperforming as well in terms of points uh, by plus seven as well, where we've actually underperformed by 12. So we would actually be in the top two uh, if we were uh, didn't underperform under Chris Wilder. So thank you very much for that, Chris. Um, so after that as well, in terms of like most likely conceding, where will Borough have the most impact in the game? Uh, statistically speaking, that uh, Burnley are more likely to concede between the 21st and the 30th minute and in the last 15 minutes of the games where they've conceded most of their goals this season. Um, as Tom alluded to, not our Tom, Burnley Tom, um, Nathan Teller has scored 17 goals this season. Josh Brownell is the highest on FOTMOB uh, in terms of 7.8 rating. But I want you to keep an eye on their fullbacks. Um, Ian Matson itself on the left-hand side has created the most chances for them this season. Um, and they like to keep the uh, ball on the ground, apart from the two centre-halves, which love a long diag. Um, so it'll be something to look out for, but they do have the highest com- pass completion of 82%, and that is reflected in the highest possession stats in the league uh, with 63%. So what does all of that data mean? Um, it means that they are very good. Um, they're going to have a lot of the ball, and it'll be interesting to see how Borough approaches game. Will we see, and maybe the way we approach, approach it against Swansea, where a team that likes to have possession, we dictate the game against them? Um, or could we let them play and see how things turn out? But they will set up in a 4 2 3 1. Uh, Teller's moved more central in the last few games with Brownhill dropping into that double pivot. And Ashley Barnes being playing up top instead of Jay Rodriguez. Um, but they're a good side. Um, well done to Vincent Company and his team for getting them to first. Uh, but how are we feeling about the game? Uh, Tom, What? how are you feeling and what is your prediction? Not confident, to be honest. I think uh, I can remember a, a similar game on Good Friday uh, where Wolves came to the Riverside and you know they're chasing mm. promotion at the time and they beat us that day. So I feel like Good Friday is probably not not a, a good day statistically good for time. us. So <laughs> I'd be interested to see what the stats are. But um, yeah, not not too confident. I'm still going to go with one one. Um, but I'm just I'm thinking about what I said earlier and this, this team's ability to bounce back after a loss. I just don't think we'll we'll see it in the same way against Burnley. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably go Borough going one nil up, and then getting uh, Burnley getting an equaliser and it finishing one one. Dana, how are you feeling, and what is your prediction? 
I'm quite excited, actually. I think this is the perfect setup for Borough to bounce back, being at home, being under the lights. I don't know why there's just something really special about that at the Riverside. And also the way that, or the moment that Burnley are coming into this game, obviously getting tanked by Man City, I think you could kind of understand that. But then the draw against Sunderland... Maybe, just maybe, we've got them at the right time. Now, that could age terribly. It probably will age terribly. But I am excited. I feel like this could be our David Nugent against Hull game um, of this season. I hope it is anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think we can bounce back. You know, I am still confident. My confidence has not really been knocked, to be honest. I still believe in this team. I still think that this team can get the result um, again and I think that we'll win this I will, I'm going to go with 2-1 late winner I've, I just want to see a late winner Ball like scorer. you know, scenes <clears throat> Akpom Akpom and I know what Tom's going to say I know what he's going to say, go on I was going to say it'd be great if Akpom could score a penalty against him just to redeem that one from earlier in the season I, I was so wrong. I thought you were going to say Daryl Lenahan, 94th well, you know what? minute. I, I am going to say Lenahan. I am going to say Lenahan. I'm going to say Lenahan and Akpom. Okay, then. Uh, it'll be a 2 1 win and we all go wild. Um, I think it'll be a draw as well, Tom, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be a really difficult game. But like, um, like Middlesbrough last year, Underlect capitulated so many times. Uh, under Vincent Company, so I'm hoping this kind of comes back a little bit um, to to the, to the Burnley team. And you look, they, they are up, you know. Like, why don't you win it at home in front of your fans? You know, just 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 do it for us, you know. And it's revenge for uh, Sheffield United beating you earlier in the season. So just play poor against us and I think they've beat got Sheffield. This- They've got a situation where they can gain automatic promotion against us if Luton lose or draw against Millwall earlier in that day, I believe. But mm. maybe the footballing gods will say, no, you can. we can shelve that. We can park it a little bit. You can have your automatic promotion clincher against whatever. T- it will, will be against Sheffield United, won't it? At mm. Turf Moor. Maybe, just maybe, they'll let us have a mm. result. And then oh, they can get promoted yeah. after that. Our football and gods do us a favour. Um, but guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And to listeners in the viewers, thank you very much for watching us and listening to us. And if you like this podcast, uh, give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give this video a thumbs up because that helps us get found and shared by other Bora fans. Uh, but for right now, Bora taste a bit of defeat at the John Smiths, but can they come good on Friday? This has been the Bora Breakdown podcast and that was all your Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora Breakdown. <laughs>